Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. For those who don't know me, I am Pastor Daniel, and I'm excited today. Uh, I get to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, but I want to start out with a compass. Uh, Because we're going to talk a little bit about the compass of your life, um, which you have one, you just might not know what compass you're using. And how many of you guys have actually used a real compass? How many of you have had one and just never actually used it? (laughs) There you go. All right, so I was familiar with these from a, a familiar, I had messed with them from a young age. Didn't really know how to use it well. I'm like, yeah, part of it points north. And you're like, cool. But that's the extent of it. Didn't understand how incredibly useful one of these could be. And for most of us, we live in a place where you don't really need this. You're like, you get directions. You're like, what street? And then you're like, all right, I'm going to get on this street and head towards this other street. And you navigate by street, not by north, east, south, west. And if you live in West Michigan, which most of us do, uh, the streets are wonderfully laid out like a grid. And it helps keep it simple. You're like, all right, these go north and south, these go east and west. And occasionally you get like one weird road that comes at an angle across all of them. And you're like, thank you, Chicago Drive. But uh, most of the time, it's pretty simple. When I was in college, it was not that way. I went to college in Australia and their roadmaps look like a plate of spaghetti. And you're like, who is planning this? And, And their response was always, Nobody. Um, They're like, literally, the the city grew so fast, they just started putting in roads that they could stick as many things on as possible. So it wound around, and the same road went north, east, south, and west. A little bit of a problem. But uh, I one time was counting on one of these, and I lost it. And it was a really not good situation. See, I got to do a special trip with my dad, which I was really, really excited about. I was in high school. I don't remember how old I was because I didn't timestamp my memories. But we went up way, way up in Canada. Like 36 hours north, the last 300 miles were gravel. And then once we got there, we got into like a little puddle jumper plane that flew us out uh, another hour or two out to this little lake in the middle of nowhere. So literally the only thing that there was was a couple of these makeshift like tarp buildings that they had for us to sleep in and eat in. And we're going to go hunt reindeer. So I'm like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to hunt some caribou, um, aka non-domesticated reindeer. And this is going to be awesome. We are technically like in the Arctic Circle. And so this is going to be chilly, but this is going to be fun. And, and we're having a blast, except it was not as cold as it was supposed to be, which you'd think that would be like a relief except the caribou, like, travel with the temperature. And so they were not cooperating, and Dad and I went out in some different spots, and they were not wanting to be where they were supposed to. But some of the other guys were like, we found a spot where we're still seeing some. And we're like, sweet, where is it? And they're like, you'll have to come with us. Like, this is not an easy endeavor to get there. So like, sweet. So we're on this little lake, and they've got a bunch of these, like, um, little wood boats with little motors, like, sweet. We zip across this lake, 
beach it, and then they're going to like, all right, we're going to hike through the woods and up the top of a mountain. I'm like, all right, I'm all about this. We get up there, and I shoot a caribou, and I am super excited. And then we were going to have to get this meat from the top of the mountain <laughs> down to the boat, which was like a mile or two down through this, this deal. And they're like, all right, there's more than we can take in a single trip, which means we'll take as much as we can tonight, and then tomorrow morning, you'll get up with the other hunters and come and get the next load. And I'm like, hmm, 5 a.m. for no reason. Because I'm not hunting anymore. I'm already tagged out here. So, all right, hey, got an idea. See, what if I take a trip before you guys are all ready, take it down to the boat, unload it, come back up, and then take another trip with you? Can I sleep in? He's like, sure. I'm like, bring it on. Like, I don't have to get up in the morning, but I am not going to be like parked waiting for something. I'm going on a trek. So I don't need quite so much gear. And so I took off my like massive thick jacket and like, all right, I'm going to leave this up here. Don't need to carry the gun. Just give me the backpack that's just packed full of meat. I got my compass in my hoodie pocket and I'm looking down and from the top of the mountain, you can look down and there's a pond just there. And if I walk on, so I'm high enough that I'm past the trees, but I'm going to come down the mountain into the trees. I'm going to come just to the right of the pond and keep going straight until I reach the lake. When I reach the lake, the boat should be about there. And if not, you can just walk the shore a little bit and you'll find the boat, unload and hike back up the top of the mountain. No big deal. So I go hiking down the mountain and I'm like checking my compass. And, and the way that you're supposed to do this is you take your compass and you look and you go, okay, so if this way is north, line up the north with that and then take the little arrow and go, where do I need to go? Point it there. Go, okay, hey, I'm going to walk at 160 degrees and that's my heading. I'm going to keep that heading. And if I do that, I'll end up straight over there. And if somehow I get turned around, I know that I got turned around. Well, I go hiking down this thing and I get down into the trees and I'm down there a ways and I go stick my hand in my pocket to grab my compass and it's not there. My compass has fallen out somewhere in the midst of the Arctic. I'm like, sweet, no worries, just keep hiking. You know, you'll reach the pond, keep going straight. Well, I'm, I'm walking, and as I keep walking, the pond appears, except the pond is supposed to be here. And the pond is here. And so I'm like baffled. I'm like, how did I get over? That, that's my landmark, but it's on the wrong... Ponds don't run. So I figure somehow I got off here, so I need to go to the right of the pond, but if I hook this way, I'm going to have to come back a little bit, but the right of this pond, and keep walking. Well, I am walking and walking and walking, and I am discovering that the train is very repetitive, and I'm trying to decide if I am going crazy, walking in circles, or what is happening. Because you walk, and you walk through the trees, you walk down, there's a burned-out section of trees, bunch of rocks, come back up into trees, like over a hill. So finally, I climb up on top of this hill and I look. I'm like, I think I'm going crazy. I, I swear I'm walking straight, but I'm seeing the same thing over and over. I get on top of a hill and I look and there's trees, burned out section, trees, burned out section of rock, trees, burned out section of rock. Everywhere that I look, this is going to repeat. And I look up, I'm like, mountain, lake, mountain, lake, mountain, lake, mountain, lake, mountain, lake. I'm like, this is not helpful. It is literally the same thing in every which direction. 
And then I, I begin to think, and I'm like, you know, I am in the Arctic. I left my thick coat up there. I left my gun with my dad. I am carrying upwards of 50 pounds of raw meat on my back. I am a traveling buffet to all of the bears and wolves that are here. And I, this is not the ideal setup. This was not necessarily wise. But I realized that I was, was lost. And like around here, if you get lost, it's really not a big deal. Just walk in a straight line. You'll hit a road within a mile. And then you can follow the road to an intersection, figure out where you are, find civilization. Most of you guys have a phone. Even if you don't have a phone, you can find somebody, something. There, you could walk 100 miles and find nothing. Um, there is something, if I walk the right direction, that is it. And so I am standing up here, and I start praying. I'm like, all right, God, am I supposed to find that lake, that lake, that lake, that lake, or that lake? And I look over, I'm like, you know, I think that lake over there has an island. And our lake has an island. All right, <laughs> this way. And I hiked back, and I ended up getting to that lake. And as I got to that lake, I found one of the other hunters who radioed back. and like, uh, there's a reason he's not back yet. He just showed up at the lake. He took a long detour and walked a few extra miles in a big loop. Turns out there was two ponds. But I couldn't see that from the top of the mountain. So I was walking straight on course when I saw the wrong landmark. And when I saw the wrong landmark, it took me in the wrong direction. And it put my life in, in danger. Um, wasn't too, too scary because there wasn't a bear following me. However, a bear did show up at the carcass that night and move around the rest of the remains of the caribou. So it was good that I did not spend the night with a whole bunch of meat in the freezing cold. But in our life, we have a lot of turns to navigate. And our life looks much more like the Canadian Arctic than it does like the grid roads of Granville. There is not always beautiful street signs saying, this decision will destroy your life. This decision will take you where you want to go. This decision will introduce you to your spouse, and this decision will introduce you to the devil in human flesh. Like, like you just don't, you don't have these lovely street signs that, that tell you this. And so, so what, what is your compass? What is it that's going to guide you in a land without signs on where to go, when to turn, and help you identify which landmarks you should turn right of and which ones you need to go left of. And so as I was looking, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So, if you're taking notes, number one here, the Bible is your compass. You need it. And in order for it to work, you have to read it. Um, a lot of people have gotten lost with a compass in their pocket. If you don't use it, 
you might as well lose it. It doesn't help. And, and that was just this thing. When I begin to look at this verse, it says, you shall meditate on it and be careful to do according to all that's written in it and then. Now, when you start to study your Bible, there are some words that you want to take note of. And I want to, to try today, we're going to talk a little bit about studying the Bible, why to study the Bible, the importance of it, and then hopefully give you some tricks to help you as you study the Bible. This trick is slightly out of place in my notes, but it just kind of fits, so it's a freebie. When you come across the word then, it's important. Then is a conditional word. It is taking what is about to come and says, this can happen because of what happened before it. I mean, I guess you can get the then, you know, hey, then they did. But when it goes, you shall do this and then you will make your way prosperous. Making your way prosperous was contingent on meditating and applying God's word. For a long time, I thought that God just blessed Christians. It was like, all right, you, you just say this prayer. It's kind of like magic. And, you know, it's not abracadabra. It's in Jesus' name. And then you, you said this prayer and then life would be better because you said a magic prayer. And when I begin to look in, in God's word, I discovered that's not what the word promised. He didn't say, say a magic prayer and then you will make your way prosperous. It said, obey this. It said, meditate on this, apply this, and then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 8, I got it in my notes, but it says, he guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. But I always thought it should say, he guards the just and, per and preserves the saints. But he guards a path and he guards a way. He laid out a best path and said, if you follow this, it will work the best. But a lot of times we try to go the world's way and get God's results. And we're going, well, well, God, I showed up in church, so how come my marriage still stinks? How come I'm still having these problems? How come this hasn't turned around for me? And he goes, well, I laid out a path that I blessed. God's blessings lie where your obedience will take you. And a lot of times we want to do it our way and have his results. And it just doesn't work that way. And if we want what God has for us, and, and people will argue this with me, and but, but are you sure that God wants everyone blessed? Yes. Now, we can argue about what the blessing looks like, but God wants the best for you. And there's so many things that are amazing if you do it God's way. We, we talked the last few weeks about relationships. If you do relationships God's way, they are amazing. The divorce rate in America says that most people don't. 
most couples don't unite on doing it God's way because when we do it God's way, it changes the results. It's like having the cheat codes to the universe given to you by the creator that are ignored by most. And I, I remember playing video games with my friend years ago and getting the cheat codes and being like, this is amazing. You can get every single weapon in, in uh, Bond. That's what it was. Like, it was golden. Like playing video games on a 64 and uh, these codes that would set you up. But in life, God goes, here's how to handle the re relationships that you have. Here's how to use your words in a way that will bring life instead of death. Here's how to navigate these things if you'll do it my way. But most people don't. Psalms 119 verse 32 says, I will run in the way of your commandments. Um, he says in uh, verse 9, says, I have hit, uh, how can you keep this way pure but by living according to your word? I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Verse 10. And, and he goes through and he goes, I'm going to put this inside of me because if this is what's inside of me and it begins to become my filter, it's going to change things. And here's, here's this fact. You and I are gifted at meditating. You and I have people all the time, I don't know how to meditate on God's word. You do. You just didn't know that you do. Because all of us spend our day meditating on something. Just a lot of us didn't do it on purpose. So we're not even sure what it is that we're meditating on. See, I got some things to help us out. Because what you may not realize is that what you spend time thinking about what you spend time meditating on becomes a filter. I don't know how well you can see this uh, up there, but this one's a bit purpley. And when I look through it, it kind of changes the shade of everything that I see. But what I put in my heart is going to affect my filter. So I can sit here and go, I want to look at the world through God's eyes. I want to see what God sees. I want to see the path that God has for me. But I'm going to spend a bunch of my time meditating on Netflix. Your color changed. You know, I think that Netflix isn't enough, so I got Amazon Prime. And you guys are now looking pretty green. And then you go through and go, you know, but there's also all the people at work that I'm hanging out with that are talking to me and that are sharing with me what they think is normal. You know, I think that I am surrounded um, by, by these different people, but that culture says that these things are what's acceptable and these things are what's normal and these things are what's expected of me. Huh. At this point, I actually see myself. They've gotten so thick, I stop seeing through them and I begin to see me. Sadly, that's a lot of people. As they go through and they go, well, I want to see through this lens, but I spend most of my time getting the point of view of Netflix, Amazon Prime, culture, that it's, that it's pushing. Oops, I'm losing my gel there. And we go through this and you go, well, what lens 
am I filling my heart with? What thoughts? And, and see, these, these thoughts, they determine what you think is normal. Whether, do you think it's normal for someone to live with somebody before they get married? Do you think that it's normal to cuss people out when you're upset? Do you think that it's normal to curse your own future whenever you're frustrated? Do you think that it's normal to get in nasty fights with your spouse all the time? Do you think that it's normal to put being right over a relationship and destroy relationships every time that there's a disagreement? What, what do you think is normal? Is it normal for sex to wait in, until you're married? Do you think that it's normal? See, because the world is telling you something. Netflix is telling you something. You're, the people at your, your work are telling you something. They may be telling you that it's normal to fudge the numbers to get the sale. They may be telling you that it's normal to lie on these forms so that you pay less taxes. There's a lot of things that the world will say, this is normal. This is what you got to do. And they'll, they'll sit here and go, you know, if you don't agree with me here, you're not politically correct. You need this green lens. And God goes, but I want you to have this lens. There's a lot of these. Do you realize how insanely loud our world is? I'm trying to figure out how many of them I can pick up at the same time. And it doesn't do it justice. Because you've got so many voices that are coming in. And if you're not intentional to decide which one's going to be your compass, you're going to end up confused. You're going to end up turning right at the wrong pond. You're going to end up on a wild goose chase because you've got a filter. And if it's not the right one, what you see isn't the right thing anymore. And it, and it can be mess us up it can shape what our ethics. This has been under attack. God's word has been under attack since before they wrote it down. Genesis chapter three. Like if, if you check this out, like what was Satan's first attack? Like if you, you skip to the beginning of the Bible, see so uh, Genesis chapter three, boom. Chapter one, God makes the heavens and the earth. He makes, and so, so we're like we, we get just barely going on this story. And in, in, we read Genesis 1.26. Uh, Pastor read this this morning. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Goes on. In this, he, he, he makes Adam and Eve. He blesses them, tells them to go forth and multiply. I'm like, God, you're so good. You start this out, and the kids aren't in here. He, he makes Adam and Eve, sends them out without any clothes, and says, go forth, be blessed, and multiply. I'm like, come on. Like, how did you mess this up? And he tells them there's one tree that he's not supposed to eat from. And in chapter 3, Satan shows up. In verse 1, did God actually say? It's the first thing we hear from Satan. 
is can I make you doubt God's word? And he goes through, he attacks God's word, he attacks God's nature, and he attacks their identity. He goes through and he goes, did God really say that? Well, well, God really doesn't want the best for you. God just knows that if you eat this, then you'll be like God. Remember verse 26? God made them in his image. So Satan promised them what they already had. Pretty messed up. But he goes through and he begins to attack God's word. And she begins to listen and goes, okay, so this is the filter that God gave me, but you've got a different one. You want to tell me that what God said isn't the best for me, that God's way isn't the best? You th- you're telling me that I'd be better if I try before I buy? You're telling me that I would make more money if I just exaggerated a little bit when I went to sale, that I would save more money if I just fudged a few of these numbers on the tax return? You're telling me that if I put me first in the relationship that it would be, it would be better? So you're, you're, you're replacing this filter with this one? And she looks and she goes, well, it does look good. She swapped her filter. She listened to him and sin entered the world. And it was a mess. But if we look, Matthew chapter 4, actually we'll go 317. Jesus gets baptized and God speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You get chapter four, he goes off in the wilderness, he spends time fasting and praying, and Satan shows up. Tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. What was the first thing he does? What did God just say? This is my beloved son. What's he say? If you're really the son of God, Don't use that, that, that purple filter that came from God. Yeah, that's what he said. You need to use the filter of performance for value. Can you prove it? Can you show me? Can, you, can your works define you instead of God's word? Because if I can get you to use the lens that says I am what I accomplished, then I can control your life. Then I can redefine you then I can push you off a cliff or chase, get you to run off a cliff trying to become somebody. Or I can use every mistake that you've made to prove that you're nobody and try to rob you and stop you from doing anything in life. He goes, will you take this filter, please? And Jesus' response, it is written. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this one. And Satan goes down and tries three different times. He goes, hey, what about this one? What about, and he's just pulling out the different filters. But again, he keeps attacking God's word and Jesus' response was, it is written. He goes, I have my filter and I won't trade. Here's, here, here it is. A life without prayer will not reach its potential. A life without the word will get off course. I'll say that again. A life without prayer won't meet its potential. A life without the word will get off course. And we have to decide that we'll be people of the word. And 
there is so many people in churches today who have no relationship with God and his word. And they go, but, but I, I went to church. And how often they go to church when they regularly go to church varies. Now, most of you guys on Sunday nights are like the committed. And, and you're like, yes, I've been to church. In fact, this isn't even my first time today in church. Like you're, you're there, but, but does this have place in your daily walk. See, I, I was thinking about this in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So I charge you in the presence of God and in, of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and his appearing. He goes on, he goes, um, to be ready in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Okay, I got a, a question for you as, I, as you read this. Do they know that they're wandering off after myths? I would say no. And, and you could probably argue that there is some people that are really stupid that know that they're being stupid and choose it anyways. And they're like, is this stupid? They're like, yes, but I want to. So I'm being stupid. Fine. I won't argue that point. Those type of people do exist. But I think far more haven't picked this up. And so they go, what does my itching ear want to hear? Well, Oprah said, well, Netflix showed well, the guys at my work said, well, and they, they go through this and this list of whose opinion counts and what others are doing and what should be normal. I remember when we got engaged and we had relatives that weren't following Jesus who were like, why are you getting married so quick? Why don't you just move in together? Because their lens wasn't this one. God's word says that, that sex is a gift and that it's a gift for inside of marriage. But a good thing in the wrong place isn't a good thing anymore. If you don't believe me, try breathing underwater. <laughs> Breathing's important, but you do it in the wrong place and it's deadly. But there's so many lenses that we have that are being pushed on us, we have to choose, all right, this lens will be my compass. And, and I've, I've talked to people, and I ask them all the time, going, hey, do you, do you spend time in the Word? And the amount of people who don't is remarkable. And I had a conversation with somebody who, who loved Jesus, but I was talking about daily spending time with God, in God's word. Um, or as some Christians will use the term, having devotions. Um, which is just a time devoted to spending with God. And they looked at me and they go, no. That would be legalistic. And I don't want my relationship to God, with God to be an obligation or to be rules. And I looked at them 
and I had a thought. But I knew better than to speak my thoughts at blood face value. Because <laughs> my first thought was, wow, that's stupid. Let me, let me put it in perspective. I have a wife. My wife is amazing. And sometimes, a lot of, most of the time, I feel like spending time with her. I feel like saying nice things to her. But do you realize that there are times where you don't feel like it? On the day I don't feel like it, am I not married? Should I just go, oh, today I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to be nice today? No, you're like, no. You're like, you spend time with her when you feel like it, and when you don't feel like it, well, then you spend time with her, and when you feel like saying nice things, you say nice things, and when you don't feel like saying nice things, you do it anyways. And then you have a good marriage. If your marriage is only about how you feel, then it's going to last for like a week. And then the honeymoon will be over. You're going to have a bad feeling. And when you have a bad feeling, you're going to respond poorly. And then they're going to respond poorly because you just responded poorly. And then you'll respond worse. And downward, this cycle goes until your marriage is a train wreck. <clears throat> and it's easy enough to look at that in marriage and go, you don't un... You don't spend time with your spouse only on this. If you do, it's going to go downhill. You pursue your wife because you committed to pursuing your wife, whether you feel like it or not. And when you choose to do it anyways, you set things in motion that begin to stir up the feelings and your marriage can be incredible day after day after day, year after year. In your walk with God, if you feel like it, wonderful. If you don't feel like it, do it anyways. It's powerful. And when you do, it begins to sow some seeds and begin to stir some things up. All right, time is going faster than it's supposed to. So I want to give you a couple points before I have another time. All right, if you want God's filter, number one, open your Bible. I know it's deep. Step two, read your Bible. Step three, apply or do what it says. Step four, I know I'm going through points really fast. Repeat steps one through three. Now, if you can do that, it will do wonders. And I know it sounds really simple, um, but, and you can do different things that'll help. And for some people, getting, just starting it and getting in the Word and going, hey, I'm going to start, does wonders. Others say, you know what, hey, I need to find a Bible reading plan. And there are thousands of plans available that you can get into that can help you make a practice of spending time in God's Word. And they're, they're dumb things, like if you use version, where it'll tell you, hey, you have a streak which in reality, it's silly, but if it helps, like I'm, I'm do, doing Duolingo right now and having it, there are a lot of days I'm like, I don't want to do it, but I've done it for 33 days straight, and if I stop today, I ruined it, so here we go. If that helps you, by all means. There are so many different things. Let these different little things become part of you. And, and we read it, not to go, I checked it off a list, look at me, I'm a good Christian, I read my Bible. Um, if you do that, 
you will miss out on so much of what God has for you. I, re, I am a competitive individual, um, which is great in some, some segments, but there's other areas where being a competitive individual has flaws. One of those flaws is it can be very easy to be like, how much do I have to read? Ready, set, go! And like, you like, take it on as fast as you can. You get done and you're like, ha, I win. Why? I read X amount. What did you learn? I don't know. What did you read about? I'm not sure, but I did it. <laughs> kind of missing the point here. But I, I learned that if I read my Bible and looked for what stood out, if I looked for what could I apply, if I looked for what questions do I have, that God's word would begin to come alive. And I could see things in stories that you go, oh, hey, there's a lesson right there. If, if you have trouble getting things out of God's word, go to Proverbs and it's full of little nuggets and there's some that are like really, really easy to understand. Like even a fool's considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Like I know what to do with that. Um, and, and it goes through and it talks about how a wise man handles things and how a fool handles things. If we'll take this and apply it, it'll do wonders. I don't, I'll have to go through some more tips and tricks later, but I want to give you some homework. I'm going to ask each of you this week to read your Bible. At least one chapter a day. And when you do, I want you to look for one verse. Just look for one verse that you can call the verse of today. This is the verse that stuck out to me today. And it might be that you're like, hey, I read through a story about some people in the Old Testament and they were weird. I don't know what to do with that. I'm going to read a proverb so that I can find my one verse. Cool. And it's going to go through and go, whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desires, and rages against all sound judgment. You might have to look and go, am I doing life alone? Are there people in my life that'll call me out when I start to be stupid? Hmm. Oh, hey, look, it's going to tell me how to handle money. Hey, look, it's going to tell me how to be a good husband. It's going to tell me what to do with my anger. It's going to tell me what to do with my words. I can glance at my page. I have a system for marking it, so I can tell you what half these verses say without reading them just by the way that I mark it. But if you get into God's word and go, God, and if you want, this is a great way to start. Go, God, Open my eyes. This is from Psalms 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word. Ask him and then open it up and go, all right, God, what's going to come alive? And when you do this, can be your compass, can be your filter. And I know that there are people in here who spend time in God's word every day. And there are others who are like, I have never. You might even own a, you might own a Bible that you've never opened. You may say, no, I don't even own a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, version is an app that you can get for your phone. You can type in Bible.com and you can pull one up. But if you'll read it, it'll begin to come alive. But if you're here and you say, you know what? I don't know the God that wants good things for me. 
the God that wants to guide my life. I need to know him. I, I want to follow his way. I want to give you an opportunity to make him the Lord of your life, to receive what he has for you. Can everyone bow their heads and close your eyes? If you said, say that today, I want, to, I want to make him my Lord. I want to let him guide me. I want, I want the forgiveness that he offers. I want to live for him. I want to know that I'm right with him and I'm on my way to heaven. But I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're online, you can type in, that's me. One, get ready. Two, three. Go ahead and raise your hands. That's me. I want, I want to know him. Awesome. I see your hand. Who else says that's me? I see your hand and your hand and your hand. Who else? Awesome. All right. The Bible says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. So we're going to call on his name. We're going to declare him to be Lord. So if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And if you've done this before, go ahead and join us as we declare him to be our Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. That your blood paid the price for me. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.